Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to another installment of Camp BNT. Yay! Woo! Today we have another debrief of an inter- ooh, correct grammar on this podcast yes. hmm, with an interview that we did with an author. And you heard that just last week. If you've not yet heard our interview with author and educator, Joe Crona, you're probably going to want to take a listen before listening to this episode because we are going to be doing our takeaways, our debrief of that conversation, and we got into a lot of stuff. And it's a long interview. So today is going to be purposefully brief. Right, Amanda? (laughs) I know. Okay. Sure. So Amanda's laughing because we did make deep fun of ourselves. (laughs) Right before we clicked record, because we've said this, friends, I don't even know how many times we've said, okay, this one can be brief though, right? Because people need to get on with their lives. And then it's like 45 minutes. We hear ourselves. After editing. We're going to try. We're We're going to really, really try. Well, I mean, here's, here's the goal here is that you hear our interview from last week. So take a listen. You hear uh, episode 159 is our actual interview with the author, Joe Crona. I mean, you hear about her background and about all kinds of things, where this book came from, why this book, how to apply it, et cetera. We get into a lot of like real classroom and campus application and strategy and really tangible things in the interview. So we just want to jump in today and give you our, like after reflection, our big takeaways, and then just let you get into it because a lot of this book speaks for itself. And so we're just kind of bridging that gap between you all and your teams or your campus and this work. That's the plan. That's Let's the plan. see if we can do it. Let's okay. see if we can do it. Fingers crossed, everyone. Let's see. But first, let's cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right. So in deciding how we were going to go about this debrief, because if you've been listening to our earlier episodes of this summer series, Can't BNT, you have heard our author interviews talking about fiction books so far. And then our debrief, we go through like a unit makeover, basically, and classroom applications. And like we were saying in the intro, so much of this, I mean, it's an education PD book, right? So like it's supposed to be classroom and campus application and strategy-based and 
So it's not really like a curriculum makeover. Nope. Unit makeover. Marie's having a hard time with her own terminology today. Save me, Amanda. Yeah, Save us no, all. no. But like, I think what you're trying, what you're trying, what you are telling uh, everyone is- <laughs> I'm trying. This is, hard. <laughs> this is not going to be in and of itself a unit, right? Like what, what right. Joe talked about in her interview- and what we're going to hear from, also, we're going to be talking with Dr. Deanna Smith about her book. When we kind of talk to these authors who are giving us PD and pedagogy, our goal for these episodes is to kind of do the zoom out thing versus the zoom in. So we are zooming in with our fiction texts and the possibilities of those texts to kind of challenge the status quo and do something different and provide new windows, doors, mirrors, all the things within a single unit through a fiction story. But these PD books, I think, you know, we didn't want to do a whole summer of just fiction because our job and our responsibility as educators is to, is to also zoom out and contextualize the work of those units. And I think that even, and and Joe talks about this in her book too, even our well-intentioned, you know, efforts to revise what we're doing still need conversation around anti-racism. They still need conversation about, you know, things like this. So we wanted to make sure that in our list of recommendations, we included multiple angles of approaching this conversation. So that's what we're going to do today is kind of look at the zoomed out picture of, you know, some things that we really took away from the interview. And also, I definitely want to give a couple of like, like inside the book, like Uh looks inside the book for listeners to kind of determine if this is something on your journey right now or not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so let's start off with um, Amanda had a brilliant idea to basically do like a table of contents walkthrough. But before we even get there, I want to do a glance at the front and back covers. Does that sound good? So the book is entitled Way Wa, Indigenous Pedagogies, an Act for Reconciliation and Anti-Racist Education, written by Joe Crona. And when you flip her on over, it reads, extend your learning to explore how racism and bias are embedded in education systems, as well as our own perspectives, and how to create equitable education for all learners. How can Indigenous knowledge systems inform our teaching practices and enhance education? How do we create an education system that embodies an anti-racist approach and equity for all learners. This powerful and engaging resource is for non-Indigenous educators who want to learn more, are new to these conversations, or want to deepen their learning. Yes. <laughs> that is the front and back cover. Well, I, Amanda's looking at me like, is she yeah. done? She's, <laughs> she's never but, done. No, but that's super helpful because that lets you know exactly who this book is for. Yes. Non-Indigenous educators who want to learn more are new to the conversation or want to deepen their learning. Absolutely. And, well, and, and I think a beautiful, and this kind of goes, starts to edge into takeaways, but it's a very interesting, interesting isn't the right word, but the conversation here is so unique, as she said in last week's interview, because it's so unique to North America, this yeah. specific conversation. And so Joe is coming from a Canadian perspective, and we are coming from an American, like United States American perspective, and yet we're still able to engage in the same conversation having to do with just education in general, even though our systems are very, very different. And so that, to me, is just a very interesting, unique piece or like layer upon this whole entire conversation. 
Well, and I might just have my head in the sand and and I take responsibility for that if that is the case. I have not seen a text like this come out of the U.S. Department of Education or any, any, I haven't seen a PD look at Indigenous education in the United States the way that I've seen Canadians tackle this issue in their country. It's, I get a feeling, again, I'm also, it might just be that it hasn't, that, that any, texts or courses, which I know exist out there, but I just don't know that they're on the same level. Yeah. And obviously we've got a bias because we got to meet and chat with the author herself and like really dig into her why and her background and all of the context around creating this specific book. It's just so applicable. Like, yeah. (laughs) I think it's, it's, it's worth, you know, we'll we'll kind of look at the table of contents, but I think when when you're looking at this text and you're looking at uh, Joe's work, it's coming out of, I think a model for what those of us in the United States should be looking toward in terms of reconciliation and intentionality in looking at curriculum and who's been seen, who's not been seen, who's, who are we benefiting? What agenda is going on? I think there are a lot of conversations around indigenous education Mm -hmm. that are not, are not in the main mainstream conversation, at least where we are, you know, we're having other conversations, but not that one. So it's really, I think powerful to, if you're an educator and this matters to you, this might be a missing piece in your journey. Um, And that's kind of what I found reading this is like, this was missing from my experience. I needed this book to further round out what I don't know. And the table of contents might be a good way to kind of give you a a perspective into what you're getting into with this text. She begins with the situation, right? She says, you know, where do we begin setting up our space in a good way? And she has a lot of very practical advice about moving through discomfort, moving through that fear of making mistakes, taking responsibility. Uh, Some of those hardest conversations she has right away at the beginning. She then moves into what I did talk to her about in the interview. And then a little bit also in happy hour, the differences between indigenous education and multicultural education, that they are not the same thing. And she very succinctly and cleanly breaks those two, you know, apart so you can see the differences. She then spends her third chapter talking about our role as non-Indigenous people in reconciliation through education, the collective responsibility. It's not just history. She talks about colonization, uh, envisioning a system for the future. She then she kind of moves deeper as you go into her work, looking at racism, right? Racism, Mm -hmm. uh, systemic, relational, defining it, um, learning and growing, right? Every chapter, there are action steps. And she kind of breaks them down to by action steps for a teacher, school-wide, administrative level. Like there's calls to action for everybody in all of these sections. And I really appreciated that, Marie. That was one of my favorite things. Well, yes, because one of my biggest critiques of most PD period is that it's like, that's great. And then I... And I feel like I've said that on here so many times. Yep. And then I just leave the ellipse just like hanging in the wind. But like the actionable steps, not just strategy, but action behind strategy. Like, okay, great. The strategy is to connect or, you know, like really specific actions to take at multiple levels is we're just going to like go through the table of contents as we talk about our takeaways. Cause that's mine. Like what my biggest one was that it's doable. And it's doable in a way that, yes, it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. You're looking at 
very big picture, like Amanda was saying, zoom out. But at the same time, I can go into chapter, let's see, or section, try not to knock my uh, microphone, everybody, while I look at this. Um, I can look at section two. Amanda was already talking about it a little bit. And like she said, we did have the extended interview. We had an extended episode on happy hour. So many of you got to hear that about indigenous education is not multicultural education. And that's the title of her second chapter. You can just dive in there. And like, yep. yes, you do kind of need to get to get the full experience. You do need the layers of the first section, but you could just dive in there. And there are some beautiful reflection questions that can help start the work in even a very like micro level, very day to day in your classroom interactions with students. Act, there are actions to take at every level, which I think is great here. She also has... One of my favorite sections, too, was in the table of contents. It's, it's in section seven, uh, six, excuse me. She has resources. Yes. <laughs> we she love has, resources. <laughs> she, right. And the resources are incredibly helpful. There are checklists, rubrics, self-evaluations. And I think that that is, like Marie said, there is the, it's the tangible. It's the so mm-hmm. what. Um, and that, that, to me, is another indicator of, all right, I'm looking for a book that's going to be, you know, perfect for a PLC and we want to actually have follow through. This is it. Well, and the other thing that I want to make sure that we really explicitly mention is that this comes from, well, so section six is called Authentic Indigenous Resources. The voice that Joe is speaking from is authentic. It's also highly, deeply researched. What does that mean? It means that she's not a a random academic coming in, doing a bunch of research and then saying, this is what you should be doing. She's speaking from her own experience. She, both as a student uh, from indigenous background and as a, an educator within the the culture that she's, or the uh, communities that she's talking about. I mean, she is steeped in not just this work, but the communities that the work encompasses or is like not encompasses. I'm I'm not using my words well today. No, no, but no, no, no. We're with you. The authenticity behind this, the strategies here, right? Like we're talking about, we are in a. I'm choosing my words carefully. That's why I'm going so slowly. We are in a time and place. We are in a climate where educators. It's real scary to make a misstep, and so rather than making a possible misstep, understandably. The fear is understandable, but rather than making a possible misstep, we do nothing or we do half-ass measures, right? And that's just not acceptable. Know better, do better. If we're going to know better, we have to do better. And so let's take something like a book like this and take sections, take the whole entire thing, take it in different pieces along the way at different orders. But you know that you can trust what she's saying to be at least authentic from her own standpoint. And so you have a, you have like a foundation to stand on when you are working through making your own mistakes to go, Oh, I see where I misstepped. Let me go back to basics here to a voice that I can trust. I think so if we were to kind of that's basically the table of contents of word if we're, we're going to yeah. shift I, I do have two things that I've didn't get to talk about in the interview but I wanted to talk about with you Marie and like with our yes. people so one of the takeaways for me and the conversation I would want to have with my team would especially surround those of us teaching American lit mm-hmm. 
Number one, oh, and, and even social studies teachers, right? I think that there's a important conversation that's been started in a lot of places, but not in others. And it's a tricky one. And that is if you're responsible for this, you know, unofficial grade 11, everyone does this American lit situation. Where are we defining the beginning of that? Mm-hmm. So much of what I've either inherited or seen begins with the revolutionary war. And that narrative of America beginning then is something that we should probably be examining under the lens of not only right enslavement, but also indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. And there is of all the grade levels I've ever taught, this tends to be the one with teachers who have been teaching it forever and don't always want to change. And so I understand that this can probably be a tricky conversation. Therefore, I think bringing in a PD book like this with research, with conversations, with resources, with conversation starters would be a really great place to get that conversation going in your school. If that's where you're at, like that, that was like my biggest thing. Cause we tried, I, I tried to have the conversation asking my department and it actually worked at one point. I said, well, why are we teaching American lit in 11th grade? Uh, and there was no answer. It's not on common core. It's not mandated by anyone. It just kind of is. And I said, well, okay. So that's always to me a red flag that we're doing something right. just because The other red flag was, haven't we been doing American lit since they got here? (laughs) Like we've done, like, what is the canon other than Steinbeck after Steinbeck after Steinbeck? (laughs) I know. And then some Shakespeare. And so like my argument, you know, was not about this conversation here, but I was, I was advocating to teach a thousand splendid sons. And there are a lot of books that require the maturity of that 11th and 12th grade year. Mm -hmm. Anyway, all that is kind of like I'm circling back to this idea of, I think looking at indigenous pedagogy as an American lit teacher is really important. Yes. Well, and one of uh, both of us, one of our quick fix, not quick. I say this with air quotes fixes to the idea of when does American lit start is to not do a survey course, right? No more timeline. 100%. Thematic. And so in looking thematically through whatever and a quote unquote American literature, which by the way, if you're following along this summer, you know that I am teaching American lit next year. Again, I wasn't last. It's a whole thing. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, And I've just decided to blow the wheels off or blow the uh, walls off of all of it and redo it. Guess what you can do when you're looking at things thematically? You can expand quite a bit. It doesn't have to be such a narrow scope. It can be a lot bigger and you can cross time with certain themes. And that is what I think is really cool. You can cross time, you can cross culture and have it all under an umbrella that is American and ask a lot of really cool questions. And so this is going to give me a lot of places to start I already talked about it with her in the interview, but my favorite part of the structure, well, my favorite part is the structure, frankly, because it's very, very usable. There are little asides, like little boxes that have reflection questions and personal reflections. So like looking again at that, was it section two, indigenous education is not multicultural education. On one of the pages, there's a series of three reflection questions that ask like, how are local First Nations, Inuit, and or Métis? Is that how she said it? I'm trying to say it correctly. No, and I didn't re-listen to exactly that part. Okay, so I, 
I'm trying to pronounce it correctly. So thank you for grace, everybody. Uh, Cultures reflected in the explicit and implicit curriculum of your schools. And then it goes on to ask about like other, about learner resources and about physical environments of your schools and your district buildings so that you can think about it a little bit. And then there's a personal reflection where she starts saying several years ago, I was a part of a small group of English language arts teachers from across British Columbia. And she goes through and she talks about her own experience. And like, you can see then where the questions come from. And it gives me personally license to be messy. Like I just was. I I love that. And that actually reminds, not reminds me, but brings me to my second takeaway. And then we'll be sending you on your way so that you can go order this on the Amazon or wherever you get your PD books. But I think that was another cool takeaway for me as we were trying to get Joe to get, I really wanted a longer list of her favorite books from indigenous authors. Cause I, I was going for it. And she kept turning me back to this point, which was start as local as possible. Yes. And that had never, like I had never really considered that when I'm trying to build out a curriculum or a text list. And she said, whenever possible, read from the community that's the closest to you. Um, and like, and then go out from there. She said, she said, think of it at like concentric circles. And I thought that was incredibly powerful. And that was a huge takeaway for me in, right? Like I love to just like, fill up my list of books and just read all the things, but that doesn't, I don't always do the work when it comes to knowing the authorship, the intentionality and behind geography is, correct. is I think what you're getting at here. Yeah. And that, and that's a whole, that's a completely so much different than the other things that we read. This is something that Joe was talking about a lot. Like the relationship yeah. with geography and place and location is very important in indigenous education and to indigenous peoples. Um, and that was that really powerful. And that kind of sent me down a little rabbit hole in my area there. Um, the Illinois is actually an indigenous word. I don't, I do not know if the original tribe was called the Illinois or that's like a, we've changed it, but there's a lot that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that was exciting. Right. And for you within this context and through this lens, it's exciting where we know that a lot of our colleagues go, Ugh, no, there's so much I don't know. Keep that box chained closed. Um, and so we are trying to help turn the tide of yes. that's really exciting. I'm a lifelong learner and I'm going to keep learning to try to do what's best for my students and myself versus I already know what's best for my students because I am me. And so I'm going to keep doing what I do. I've been doing it forever. And, so. it's, a, and it's a survey course. Okay, friends, we <laughs> are going to let you on your merry way. Make sure that you head to the show notes for today's episode. Make sure that you are following along with us. If you want to get in deeper with this conversation, we have got workbooks for you. If you want to be using these interviews and debrief episodes to get yourself some PD hours for free, we've got some paperwork and like It's summer camp. What summer camp camp would be complete without earning some badges? You know, we like a good theme here. I thought you were going to say, what summer camp will be complete without paperwork? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have been toting this as a summer camp for English teachers. So I mean, true. It's not totally off the mark. But anyways, thank you for joining us today. Head to the show notes. Head to bravenewteaching.com slash camp uh, to join into the larger Camp BNT conversation. And uh, we'll be back next week with a whole 
other interview with another author, and we are excited to have you with us. We will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 